Welcome to Lost in Twin Peaks. Today's episode delves into characters, locations, the coffee pie and donuts motif. We call it into the weeds because it's more of a trivial pursuit aspect of Twin Peaks, which can be deep and rich and have these great themes, but also just kind of collect fun and interesting things as well. And this, I think, helps us look at the characters and see who's kind of thriving in a particular moment in a show, who's maybe slipping a little in the focus that was once on them and so forth. And uh, always make sure with these episodes in particular, I think, that you keep the illustrated companion in mind. I have that linked in the show notes. It's on my site. There's screenshots for all the categories of these podcasts for a given week. And with characters, it's really kind of helpful and cool to see them, uh, you know, illustrations of kind of where they are at this moment in time in the show in relation to each other, etc. The characters introduced in this episode are Einar Thorson, the Icelandic investor, Emery Battis, the uh, manager of the Horns department store, Waldo the bird, of course, at last, the black mina bird, the orange beak, the great northern hostess in the Viking outfit, can't leave her out, Hebba, the Icelandic uh, quote-unquote goddess that Jerry is in love with, and uh, the whole crew of Icelandic investors uh, introduced as this sort of motley ensemble. The first interactions between characters that we glimpse are uh, Jerry and Leland, Shelley and Hank, Jacoby and the Briggs, the log lady with Hawk and Doc Hayward, and Hank and Leo. I'm no longer going to distinguish between characters meeting each other for the first time and characters we're seeing together for the first time. First of all, I just don't think there are that many character introductions left at this point like we are you know we're kind of past the point where cooper was meeting all these people for the first time and uh i'm also not going to list new characters in this category because we don't know if they're going to stick around so if they're around for a couple an episode or more we'll start talking about who they're introduced to also maddie introduces herself to donna in this episode but they were already at the house together when sarah was questioned so like were they not introduced at that point i guess you know, maybe she was off in the kitchen making something when she came in. She didn't want to disturb it. It's plausible, but seems like a little bit of an oversight. For the character rankings, for the top ten, we have James with about four minutes. I don't want there to be any lies between us. Shelly with about four minutes. Leo hates my cooking. Audrey with about five. Shall we get started on the paperwork? Ben with about six. Are you quite finished? And Bobby with about six minutes. Hey, Leo, how's it going, man? For the top five. Going from number five to number one, we have Laura. She's got about seven minutes. Were you very sad when Laura died? Laura wanted to die. No on-screen time this episode. It's all people talking about her, mentioning her, her being the focus of the scene. Number four is Doc Hayward with about seven minutes. It was the day after the wedding, wasn't it, Margaret? Bit of a surprise. Why is he in it this much? Well, of course, because this episode was written by his son, Mark Frost. Number three is Hawk. He's got about seven minutes. The wood holds many spirits, doesn't it, Margaret? So tagging along with all of this police work uh, and oftentimes leading the way, you know, that does a lot for his character screen time here. Number two is Harry with about 10 minutes. You guys know Georgia Peach. Number one is Cooper, as is often the case, with about 14 minutes. I've got the pictures to prove it. How old are you? So he's got quite a bit more than the other cops. Uh, whenever we see them, I believe he's present. But we see him without them in the beginning and the end. Hawk is now topping the supporting cast for this particular episode. Uh, every episode so far, it's been a different character who kind of rises aside from the core trio of Harry, Laura, and Cooper. In this case, Hawk is actually ahead of 
Lara. It's the first time that any of those top three characters have been uh, broken up. In fact, Doc is ahead of her as well. So uh, we're seeing other characters kind of rise to the fore as the mystery has been going for a little while, uh, even using that extended definition for Laura of, you know, the screen time that other people are talking about her, that she's the focus of a scene when we don't literally see her now that she's buried and everything. This is Cooper's, Harry's, and Laura's sixth episode in a row with over five minutes of screen time. It's also Ben and Audrey's fourth. They've been on a real streak, the the two horns in terms of getting prominence in each episode. Really, the pilot was the only exception so far. It's Bobby's and Hawk's third episode with over five minutes and Doc's first episode. Uh, Andy, Norma, and Donna all had over five minutes in the previous episode, but they kind of dropped off the list for now. In terms of successive episodes with the prominent screen time, meaning, you know, in a row, who's on a hot streak? Well, obviously, this is Cooper's, Lars, and Harry's. Uh, sixth in a row they've just every episode they have over five minutes so that's always the case and, and both audrey and ben it's been consecutive they're four uh episodes of having more than five minutes uh, have all been in a row since uh you know ep- season one episode two on collectively the top 10 characters in the show so far uh, number one is cooper number two is harry at three is laura four donna then bobby audrey ben hawk James, number 10, rounding it out, is Doc. So Harry and Hawk have both jumped up a spot as Laura and James have slipped down. So again, I think we see a shift a little bit away from kind of the teen focus in that early episode to more now the cops and FBI just are much more prominent. And Harry is now the number two character on the show after Cooper with Laura slipping to number three. Ed's fallen out of the top 10 completely. He came back into it last week, and Doc is now making his second appearance, Doc Hayward, rising a couple spots to be up there in number 10. In terms of milestones, Donna and Bobby reach 40 minutes of screen time. Audrey, Ben, Hawk, and James reach a half hour. Doc, Ed, Andy, and Shelley have all reached 20 minutes with this episode. Norma's reached 15. Jerry and Jacoby reach 10. And the log lady, Hank, and the singer, who we don't see, we saw her in the roadhouse in the pilot, but we hear her voice quite a bit throughout this episode. They all now have five minutes. Same with log lady, very brief kind of uh, appearance in those first few episodes she was in, but now we get some real time with her. And now that he's back, Hank is up there too. So Leland passes his wife, Sarah, in the rankings for the first time. That's something significant to note. In the pilot, she was really the focus of the grief uh, over Laura's death. Now that's very much shifted to Leland. As for the characters who have officially disappeared from the story, meaning they've been gone for at least four episodes, that's my qualifier. Uh, In this case, we have the characters of Renette, Yannick, and Suburbus Pulaski. So Renette the other girl who came over the train tracks, and her parents. Uh, The last time we saw them was in Season 1, Episode 2, when they're sitting outside of her hospital room. We assume that's her in the bed behind them, so we see her face turned over. It's not the same actress, but uh, that's the last time we saw that character or her parents. Here are the locations and what happens there. The Blue Pine Lodge, we don't see at all this episode. Nothing at the Sheriff's Station, which is surprising. Uh, That's always been a pretty active location, but... 
we're out and about for this whole episode. In the Palmer house, we have Maddie finding the tape. In the Briggs house, we have the second episode of Nothing There and Nothing in the High School either. For the Great Northern, we're there a lot this episode. In room 315, Cooper's room, uh, the dining hall, Ben's office, the timber room where they have a uh, big party for the Icelanders, a convention center type space. And we are, we're in that secret passageway that was introduced in episode three, where Audrey sneaks into kind of the wall to spy on people. Uh, in these locations at, at the Great Northern, Cooper is awakened. Morning coffee is served with Audrey. Jerry, Ben, and Leland have their scene together. There's a nice big ghostwood blueprinter map behind Ben at his desk, you know, as the development project moves forward. We have the party for the Icelanders, Catherine and Ben fighting and making out and plotting while Audrey spies on them. Leland dancing. Uh, ben and Josie plotting together and Cooper finding Audrey in bed. So biggest location in the episode by far. The Double R Diner, we have the meeting with Maddie and Hank returning at the Johnson house. We have Andy visiting Shelly and Bobby and Leo calling and then Leo attacked by Hank and shot by Shelly inside. Calhoun Memorial Hospital, this is the second episode of Nothing There. For Big Ed's gas farm and uh, slash house, uh, we have the scene with Ed and Norma together in this episode kind of a, a you know as i said an, a new view of that location and then we have a lot of locations that we are not visiting this is the third episode of nothing for the train car the second episode of nothing for sparkwood in 21 nothing at the hayward house second episode of nothing for the roadhouse in the woods uh we actually get a really our most extended sequence in the forest yet um you know before the first cabin and then between the log ladies cabin and Jacques, we just spend all this time with them hiking through the woods and it's it's wonderful it's like really getting to immerse ourselves in this forest in the daytime, you know, not just as these sort of spooky nighttime shots, which are great, but getting the mystery during the day is, is cool as well. We get nothing at the Timber Falls Motel, and then in Jacoby's office, after a three-episode break where it looked like maybe we weren't going to go back, we get uh, the Briggs appointment with some cool shots of the kind of, you know, the objects on the wall and everything, but also a great use of kind of a black space. So if his place was very bright and shiny in the first time we saw it and now it's like moodier and darker the way that uh that uh, leslie linka gladder lights and uses it and for episode lo three locations same thing no black lake cemetery no bookhouse no random payphone we haven't seen any of them since that episode for the episode four locations uh almost the same thing nothing for the state prison nothing for lidecker's veterinary clinic and nothing for one-stop gas however we do spend a good amount of time in Jacques' apartment, of course, in the living room, in the kitchen, where they find Flesh World and, you know, discover that uh, the Red Curtain connection. For the new locations in this episode, we go to Horn's department store. We get this interesting establishing shot. It looks actually very urban for Twin Peaks. Kind of a surprise. So they put up a sign somewhere, apparently in L.A., and filmed the, you know, this is Horn's department store, basically. And uh, that makes sense, but you kind of wonder if they could have found some way to make it sort of quirkier. Uh, but then there's, I don't know, there's something nice about having this bustling urban feel embedded within this uh, small town, too. I, I like the mix of locations. You never know, uh, in Grail Marcus's words, whether Twin Peaks is like the Sylvan Village or the Noir City. At Horn's department store, the only place we see is Emery's office, where Audrey has her interview. We go to the gazebo on this Nice little lakefront, very idyllic location where James and Donna meet. This place is actually in Malibu, this location. And uh, unfortunately, the gazebo was recently destroyed in those fires that swept that area. We visit the log ladies' cabin and also Jacques' cabin. Kind of a good job finding two different cabins in different areas. 
where uh, they look distinct from each other. You know, no two log cabins are alike, apparently, and one belongs to uh, the log lady and one belongs to Jacques Renault, two very different characters. Uh, it would be funny if they just shot the same cabin from different angles, and I didn't realize, but they look different to me. And, you know, I love how they found these somewhere in the Southern California area, and uh, we kind of buy it as being part of this. But, of course, at this point, you know, Washington, it's not so much about can you duplicate Washington as, as, as can you create this Twin Peaks as kind of a fusion between these real locations and the imagination. There are four locations that we haven't seen for four or more episodes. The Packard Sawmill, the Town Hall, and the Road into Town we haven't seen since the pilot. And the Mountaintop we haven't seen since episode one. Are there any more donuts? Sure. Andy. The coffee, pie, and donuts, plus, of course, the bonus food and drink. We have Cooper bringing his own, looks like an FBI mug with him, to the Great Northern uh, Dining Hall. And the waitress asks coffee, and he says, please. He's very refreshed, but uh, still weary as he reacts to the bracing uh, caffeine that he needs very much after this night with the Icelanders. And he holds it out right away for her to pour it again. Says, I'm running a little late this morning. I only have time to coffee to Audrey. And then when he gets to Jacques, he's preoccupied with the donuts. It's kind of funny. He says to Harry, what have you got? And Harry starts telling him all about Jacques and he's off looking at the donuts. He might've actually meant, what have you got in terms of donuts? And he also says, better wash that down with a cup of Joe. I didn't get much sleep last night. And has another strong reaction to coffee and to a donut that Andy hands and takes one bite, one sip. Mm. Then he hands it back to Andy and Andy starts eating and drinking it himself, which is kind of funny. Later in the most memorable food shot of the episode, I think we have this the camera following the hands as they pass along a plate full of donuts finally reaches cooper and the, you know, the camera follows his hand up as he bites down on the donut with a with a big creller later on hank has coffee at the jukebox and the double r and he's drinking it very suspiciously as maddie and the others walk away and when norm has asked him to do dishes he says oh, can i finish my coffee boss Donna and James have coffees as they're uh, drinking at the table with Maddie, but she's drinking something else, which we'll get to in a moment. For the bonus food, we have big platters going into the Icelanders as they're partying in the morning. Einar emerges with a bottle to, uh, you know, embrace Jerry. And then Jerry shows a huge chunk of, uh, you know, wrapped up uh, raw meat to, uh, to, to Ben and says, you see what she gave me? An entire leg of lamb. Is that beautiful? Come on, look, you crush some garlic, some fresh mint. It's rotisserie heaven. And then later when he's, uh, you know, uh, with with Heba, he tells her, Heba, I want to cook for you. That's the, the biggest come on he can think of, basically. Bobby says to uh, Shelly, I love it when you cook for me. And she says, Leo hates my cooking. It looks like they're having a breakfast of toast and eggs or pancakes. And then later on, when they're uh, in, when uh, Cooper and the cops are in Jacques' apartment, Cooper says, fellas, let's pack a lunch. We're taking a walk in the woods. But we never really see if they eat anything there. We've got enough food elsewhere in this episode. There are fries and ketchup at the diner in front of uh, Donna and James, but... The big thing is Maddie orders a cherry Coke, big glass, they deliver it to her, and she never takes a single sip, and then stands up and walks out and leaves her cherry Coke there. So fans have always noticed this, and it's become kind of a running joke. At the log lady's cabin, she says, I've got tea, I've got cookies, no cake. And Hawk asks, what kind of cookies? She says, sugar. Later she says, we'll let it steep, and they sit there waiting for the tea, and Cooper starts to reach for a cookie, and she smacks his hand and says, wait for the tea! The fish aren't running. Later on at the Great Northern Party, they're uh, serving drinks, and Pete says, go easy on the sauce tonight, okay, Kathy? And she takes 
two glasses, drinks one, doesn't hand the other to him, drinks it herself, looks like champagne, and she says, couple of belts and even you might start to look good to me. There's a smorgasbord at the party where they've even got bananas for some reason up on the table. And uh, we have Catherine walking over to Ben, pouring her champagne on his shoe. And uh, later after they make out, he says to her, Breathmint, holds out a Breathmint to her. I guess that fits in with the food. And finally, we see Pete drinking a stein of milk. And Leo shouts at Shelly, get me a damn beer. A lot more drinking in this episode than usual. For smoking, we have the Icelanders area called the Smoke Hall, where they are earlier in the day. Probably some kind of, you know, they all go back with their cigars or whatever. That's the idea. A lounge. And Ben is smoking a cigar finally. We saw him open one up last time, but this is the first time I think we've seen him actually smoking a cigar in his office. Bobby's smoking a cigarette at breakfast, and Shelly ends up taking his cigarette when he goes... Uh, when he hides away and the, the cops are coming to kind of calm her nerves and oops, guess she forgot the pilot where uh, Leo made a big deal out of seeing different cigarettes around the house. But I guess she figures she's going to take care of him anyway, so it doesn't matter in some sense or another. We see Josie smoking in silhouettes uh, three times with a big cigarette holder, which is kind of cool. First time we've seen one of those on the show. And Maddie says that Laura used to hide packs of cigarettes in her bedpost. And finally, Shelly lights a cigarette on the stove. Very memorable image there. She holds her hair back so it doesn't catch fire and just lights up right there, waiting nervously for Leo to come inside. That's it for this episode. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can become a patron on patreon.com slash lostinthemovies. Tomorrow we will wrap up this week of season one episode six by talking about my previous writing or work on the episode and also what fans were saying at the time how they remembered their initial reactions years later and uh, the critical media response to in this week as we're starting to come up toward the finale in twin peaks first season has just been a huge critical success in 1990 but struggling a little in the ratings So the question is, will it be renewed for a second season? I think some of the media responses, uh, maybe either for this or the next episode that that I rounded up and gathered, are kind of teasing that question. Will we see more Twin Peaks? Now, we know the answer many years later, but at the time, people thought because it was kind of middling in the ratings, like it was doing pretty well, getting quite a buzz, but just kind of middle of the road after the first few. Pilot was a blockbuster. Um, But, you know, we've gotten into that, so I won't detail that too much here. But it's just an interesting moment in the show's history, this moment, early May 1990. So let's take a look at that from the critic and fan perspective, as well as my own retrospect tomorrow. Tomorrow.